You are listening to Where is the Line? The stories you will hear will be depraved, disturbing, and true. If you are easily unsettled, you may find this program offensive. And if you are under the age of 18, fuck off. really cool information on the internet and you want to put it in your research project huh sounds great it's always a nice feeling when you find the perfect piece of information now before you place that information into your project there's something you should know you could get into trouble yep that's right a lot of trouble everybody drinking blood everybody eating brains some monster party Everybody eating flesh, everybody breaking bones It's a monster party Thank you for listening to episode 37 of Where is the Line? My name is Kevin With me today, as this is your fourth week in a row? I believe so Fourth week in a row? Made it Well, fourth episode, right? Fourth episode in a row Maybe third and this is a Whatever, Robin's here. <laughs> hey, hey Robin. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> also with us is someone who, if you have ever left a review for our show, you know who this person is. Yay. All the way from California, from Hollywood crime scene, Rachel Fisher. Hi. Say something disturbing, Rachel. The flat method. The flat method. When you hear the phrase, the flat method, honk your horn. Thank you so much for being here, Rachel. <laughs> I'm very happy to be here. I love, I, I, I'm a listener of Where's the Yay. Line. That's so exciting. I'm, I'm not just a guest host. I'm also a listener. <laughs> that was, you know, when you mentioned us on your show, and I, I'm going to confess, I didn't know who you guys were at the time. That's okay. We're not like huge or whatever. Uh, well, I mean, you are huge. You're like the third most famous person I've ever spoken to. <laughs> Right behind, third most. <laughs> right behind Sid Haig and Gary Busey. Nice. Wait, you've talked to Gary Busey? I, I admonished Gary Busey briefly. Wow. Third famous person third besides famous Gary person. Busey. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Anyway, uh, yeah, and and I like I just wake up one day and our our podcast gets like no no listeners, you know, and then one day all of a sudden just like in the we hadn't even released an episode. And we had like three times as many listeners as usual. I'm like, what the fuck happened? The next day, I, we start getting these reviews. Heard about you guys on Hollywood Crime Scene. <laughs> and that trend has continued and continued and continued. I don't know if you've seen our reviews, but literally every one of them. And now it's gotten to the point where people who didn't come to the show because of Hollywood Crime Scene, when they leave a review, they say, I'm not here from Hollywood Crime Scene. <laughs> 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 oh man well i'm really happy to that our listeners like you guys and like they crossed over to your podcast because i really do think you know we, we share a lot of the same sort of morbid interests and i really like your sense of humor i i don't know i just it was one of those shows that didn't take me a long time to like get to know the podcast host i sort of just like really liked you right off the bat like everything about your show oh, i loved it you. even and you know what and i like all i've like enjoyed all of your co-hosts that you've had 
over <laughs> over the past year year and a half year how long have you had this show uh, a couple of years it's no, a good I think show april was two years well it's an interesting concept because there's a ton of true crime podcasts and you know if you're a true crime fan or you're a horror fan it doesn't matter how much content there is it's it's great to just have that much content out there. It's nice to have that. And there's something for everyone. But I like that the twist on your show was it wasn't all necessarily crimes. <laughs> I liked yeah. specifically, I think about the guy who got fused to the toilet seat. Yeah. Or the girl. Yeah. Or the uh, woman. The woman who yeah. got, she had a, she had a husband, right? Yeah. Pam. He Bath was a real dog. piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jerking off for the neighbors and things. Yeah. Yeah. But like, where else am I going to hear that story? <laughs> Nowhere. <laughs> Before we get into this show, uh, we want to mention our patrons. Our new patrons are Emily from Pennsylvania, Tracy Natalie Roberts, Jenny Fears. I know her. She's actually from uh, living in Cottondale right now. Good old Cottondale. We had some Emily. weird times together. Molly from the Femdom episode. Yay! If you've been listening for a while, Molly. Yay, Molly. Is a patron now. I love Molly so much. We talked for like six hours that day for that episode, and I had to like edit it down to 45 minutes. Was that the one where you did the thing with your feet? No, that wasn't when I got my, <laughs> my toe sucked, which oh I didn't God. care for. That was an exhilarating episode. I could feel your disgust. The yeah, I don't like even thinking about it. Like, there's a couple of episodes that I won't listen to anymore. And that's one of them. That's, yeah, that's one of them. I don't want to relive that. Skip. <laughs> but anyway, thank you, Molly, for yeah, becoming awesome. a bit. It's absolutely unnecessary. But get in touch with me, Molly. You and your boy. We had a great conversation that day. And also, Bug Ray. If you would like to become a patron yourself, don't expect much. <laughs> yeah, I'll eventually send you some fucking stickers, and that's probably about it. <laughs> Sorry. We like to take care of our patrons. I am so fucking horrible at self-promotion. Anyway, patreon.com slash where is the line. All right. You ready to get into it? I'm ready. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Let's do it. As a consumer of macabre and grotesque media, you, the listener, may believe yourself to be already acquainted with the story of Robert Liston. Thousands of websites, podcasts, and even peer-reviewed academic journals and publications have recounted the fantastic story of an operation performed by Robert Liston, which resulted in the deaths of not only his patient, but also of his surgical assistant, and also a bystander. The story goes that in his efforts to expedite as much as possible the process of amputation of a leg that Liston accidentally removed two of his assistant's fingers, and whilst flourishing his surgical knife about, he also nicked the coat of an observer. The patient died on the operating table, the man whose coat was slashed died of a heart attack on the spot, and the assistant died some time later after the remaining stumps of his fingers became gangrenous. Over the past several weeks, I have seen and heard this story recounted hundreds of times, each telling inevitably concluding with the clever summation that this was the only surgery in recorded history with a 300% mortality rate. If that's the story you stop by to hear, 
you're about to be disappointed. That disappointment stemming from the fact that the aforementioned and often repeated story of surgical buffoonery never fucking happened. What? What? Robert Liston was, however, an extremely interesting character and one whose true story is filled not only with blood and questionable ethics in those agonizing years before anesthesia, but also with accomplishment and achievement. So, how did everyone, (laughs) except me, get this story so terribly fucking wrong? How do I know that everyone but me is wrong? Who really was Robert Liston and what might it have been like to go under his knife? That's what we're talking about today. Medicine in the Age of Agony and the Redemption of Robert Liston. When we're going to tell a story, like I like I like to get on the internet and you know and see the rundown of the story, you know, just the the Wikipedia-esque bird's eye view of it. But then I I like to get into like the primary sources and by primary sources, I mean accounts of the tales that happened during the lifetime of the person that we're talking about, you know, newspapers and things like letters back and forth from people. I've had this folder for Robert Liston and my ideas of shows for fucking ever. I finally decided to do it. You know, the story, the 300% death rate of the surgery and everything. That's the story I wanted to do. And that's the story when I talked to Rachel, I had planned to do. But when I start going through these newspapers and, you know, his own writings and things, it becomes very difficult to reconcile the scene with with the man that I'm reading about. What's funny is when, when I start getting suspicious about this, I tell my partner, Liz, I am starting to think that this might not have actually happened. You know what she did? She made me listen to her favorite podcast who covered the story that covered the story as proof that it happened. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, there are lots, like I said, one of the people that t- talked about the 300% mortality rate was a doctor. Yeah. So it's, wow. it's, yeah, I, no, we're getting there. I know we're getting there. We're getting there to how I know this. I know you're not believing me yet, but I'm, I'm, we're I'm, moving I'm, along. I mean, what if this episode becomes like a history making? It fucking Kevin, should. Kevin Halbrook has cracked this fucking case. How old is this? When did this happen? Sounds like 1800s. Yeah, late, late 1800s. 18 okay, so something. this is like 150 years old or whatever. Yeah, and so I start I start getting suspicious of this, and I start looking for the oldest mention of this because there's nothing about this in the newspapers. You know, there's these journals that the hospitals are putting out. The hospital that Liston works in puts out a journal. Nothing about this. And so I, I'm getting suspicious, so I start looking for the oldest mention of this that I can find, and the first mention of it I can find goes to this book that came out in 1983 called Great Medical Disasters. This is like BuzzFeed before fucking BuzzFeed. You know, it's like a, it's like a top ten list of like funny shit that has happened in medicine. Right. Okay, so that is the first time that I can find that story ever being printed. I'm not done yet. No, I know I can see it in your face. You still don't believe me. But it's you're not that I don't to. believe you. I'm just like, how did this happen? And I'm thinking like... I'm about to tell a, you. I okay. know how it happened. I know how the whole fucking thing went down now. <laughs> I'm so excited. I can't wait. <laughs> so this book in 1983, Great Medical Disasters, has a citation in the back from University College Magazine that goes back to 1926. 
that's the citation that they use for this story about Liston killing three people over the course of one operation. That article is really fucking hard to get because it apparently only exists in one place, which is the Welcome Library in England. Mm-hmm. And I got a copy of it. Guess what? what's not fucking in it? That goddamn story's not in it. Seriously. So, so did this book just make that up out of thin air? Yep. You're kidding. Nope. And the book is not even what pisses me off. I don't even, I'm not even angry at this author. Here's what pisses me off about this, is while I'm looking up shit for the story, before I get to this suspicion, I'm pulling people's dissertations and master's theses that have that fucking citation and that tell that fucking story. And that's from where they probably pulled it from somebody else using it? What happened was the author of Great Medical Disasters made that story up, gave this bogus citation for it, probably knowing that that motherfucker is goddamn difficult to find. (laughs) And people who want to write papers and things on Robert Liston probably tried to find that source and couldn't do it, and they can't list great medical disasters in their dissertation as a source. That yeah. doesn't even sound like a primary source. Yeah, no. So they pulled the citation out of the back of the book, put it in their dissertations, master's theses and shit. And then from then on, anybody who's trying to look at the shit for their website or anything, I don't blame them for pulling up... Peer-reviewed medical journals, respected peer-reviewed medical journals have this fucking story and that fucking citation in it, and the story ain't in there. Wow. Is the author still around? If I'd had more time, I was going to try to find him. (laughs) Uh, uh, So the author, he made up, he said, yeah, let's just say that came from here. Well, he clearly read the actual article because in in the book, and it's the, the first chapter in the book, uh, he lists several of Liston's mishaps. It was a, hmm. it was like Liston had these four famous cases where he did some completely stupid shit. One of them was that he was going to remove a 40-pound tumor from a man's leg and accidentally cut the man's testicles off in the process. Uh-oh. But that was because of how fast? Because of the speed. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, um, like he was chopping at a great speed? Yeah, Liston's thing was he was incredibly fast as a surgeon. And that was really important then. And I want to talk about that in a minute. I want to get through clearing Robert Liston's name. His good name. Washing this mud <laughs> off of Robert Liston's name. Wow. Before I splash some more fucking mud on it. <laughs> okay. It's almost as bad, really. <laughs> The, the tumor operation actually took place, and it is in that article that's cited from 1926, uh, but he didn't actually cut anybody's testicles off. Uh, the the author of Great Medical Disasters... Made that up, too? Yeah, made that part up, too. Well, because that's in other stuff. Like, they talk about them chopping some guy's te- testicles off. I'm very... Yeah, no, he did not accidentally chop anybody's testicles off. I mean, I guess off. it's sort of a relief that he didn't, but at the same time, I just... 
<laughs> what what else, the fuck? What else is a lie? What else is a lie? <laughs> I mean, you know what? <sighs> okay. I mean, I, okay. apparently the guy did some other heinous shit. Why couldn't they just tell the truth? Well, because the heinous shit's not actually in the source that the guy cited. So right. the source that the guy cited tells about the tumor. He made right. the shit up about the testicles. How many medical disasters was it? Are any of them true in this whole book? Uh, yeah, apparently I, I haven't checked up on, I, I think they, I don't know. Okay. I'm not going through that whole fucking book, but he, he read the, he did read the, the, the source that he cited though. He just embellished a bunch of shit on top of it. You know, that one operation entirely. One thing that he did not embellish though, that was in that article was this, uh, account of Robert Liston. <laughs> Going up to this child who was someone else's patient, and the child had a big abscess on his throat. The doctor said that the that it wasn't an abscess, that it might be a pooling of blood because he could feel it throbbing, and that it might be connected to the artery. Liston says, nope, it's not. We just need to drain it. And he pulls out his knife and slashes the thing. Blood starts pouring out of this child's neck. Liston, to his credit, does tie off the artery, but the kid died anyway. Jesus. Uh, that apparently did happen. To or, his credit. To <laughs> well, he at least oh, done. shit. <laughs> I'm trying to fix this real quick. Well, I, you know, if it had been me, I would have pulled one of those just sort of scared it away. Like, <laughs> <laughs> kind of things, yeah. Like, <laughs> Leave the other doctor to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> See, I told you. No, just take care of that. I'm gonna go. Did they even have like people. medical boards and shit back then? Like, did they even have like people who it, were decided if you could be a doctor or not? It, they did have colleges uh, for surgeons, but then this is kind of butting up on the end of that the the barber surgeon, right? Era, right. Which do you do you know why the barber poles yes. are red and white? It's Blood. I, I, blood and bandages. I yeah. learned that when I was a child, and barber's poles have creeped me out ever since. <laughs> <laughs> you learned that, oh, psh, California schools. I, Fuck. <laughs> I had to look that shit up as an adult here in Alabama. I learned that. I, I, somebody, one of my parents told me, like, do you know why it's red and white swirling around? <laughs> it's because it's blood. <laughs> and I, because they used to, you know, do surgeries at, at you could get your hair cut and some an operation done. And I said, that is disgusting. <laughs> I don't think there was something. That, there's a blue stripe that means something, too, right? Really? I don't know. Anyway, he killed the kid. <laughs> All right. So who really was Robert Liston? So let's talk about what he's actually like, since all anybody apparently seems to care to learn about him is complete fucking bullshit. Robert Liston was actually a pretty impressive guy. He started college when he was 15. He wanted to, uh, I believe he was going to go into literature, but he pretty quickly took up with a professor there who taught anatomy. And so that's how he kind of gets gets into the medical field initially. At some point, Liston hits puberty and <laughs> turns into apparently a very impressive figure of a man. They say he's six foot two. Apparently that was tall back then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they say weren't it was people weren't they a lot shorter back then? Weren't people shorter? I they were. I think I think we're continually averaging 
Taller Upwards. and taller, yeah, as time yeah. passes by. Okay. But yeah, he was 6'2". They say he was really muscular. Kind of looked like a tough guy. And maybe used that to his advantage some. And a lot of people talk about his hands. He had these very big hands with these long, bony fingers. I think people were too afraid to fire him. They knew he was a shit surgeon. They he wasn't a shit surgeon. Uh, he actually though. was one of the best surgeons of the time. What? He was the best? One of Yeah, one of the best. Probably the best. I think he should have slowed down with the slicing. I'm glad you bring up the speed because... When people read about Robert Liston and they're like, oh, he's just flashing these knives around and supposedly, like, he would hold a knife in his, a bloody knife in his mouth yeah. while he was operating just so he could do things incredibly fast. The accounts of his speed apparently are not exaggerated. Okay. And, you know, Rachel, you were talking about, like, maybe he needed to slow down a little bit. And there were two philosophies at the time about this. And but this is pre-anesthesia, mm-hmm. right? So right, uh, these people are awake and lucid when when their limbs are being cut off. This is the days of you need to bite down on this belt. Yeah, mm-hmm. and here's some whiskey. Uh, maybe I give if you're lucky. I don't. <laughs> uh, yeah, whiskey. Whiskey very often was involved, actually. Uh, <laughs> I came across this a long time ago. Uh, this actually isn't from the era. It's uh, from a book called The Surgeon's Mate, Military and Domestic Surgery. It came out in 1639. Whoa. But it's really interesting because it was written by a doctor aboard a ship, and he recounts all of these stories of, well, mostly STDs, but <laughs> also <laughs> like surgeries and shit. And, he had the, and the reason I wanted to, to bring that up is that he describes amputation. He, he's writing to fellow professionals, mm-hmm. or, you know, I guess this would have been barber surgeons. Anyway, he's talking about amputation, and he's trying to get across to people how awful this really is. And he writes this description, which I just love. It's one of my favorite things. John Woodall, he wrote, quote, If you be constrained to use your saw... Let first your patient be well informed of the imminent danger of death by the use thereof. Prescribe him no certainty of life, and let the work be done with his own free will and request and not otherwise. Let him prepare his soul as a ready sacrifice to the Lord by earnest prayers craving mercy and help unfeignedly. And forget thou not also thy duties in that kind to crave mercy and help from the almighty and to crave it heartily for it is no small presumption to dismember the image of god oh wow it's hard to imagine what it would be like to have an amputation back then mm-hmm. no thank you i don't want to imagine yeah. it. No. Yeah, this was this was, well you're about to because i'm oh, about to great. describe it in graphic <laughs> fucking detail fine since everything I've learned is a lie, something said that at that time when Liston was practicing, that surgeons had a 50-50. You had probably like a, it was a 50% chance either way that you would 50% live, 50% die. So is that true? Uh, yeah, somewhere around that. Okay. Uh, Liston's actual survival rates were amongst the best of his contemporaries. Yes. Wow. I did read that too. I mean, just the idea, like the first person who decided, we're going to have to cut you open and dig in there and rearrange some stuff, maybe cut out, cut out some stuff. That's a horrific thought. 
Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, especially in pre-anesthesia days. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so you can imagine if you're someone who needs a very serious operation, like an amputation, or at the time, a fucking kidney stone, I'd almost like rather have my... <laughs> you know how they did that? If they were like really big? Yeah, if they were really big and you couldn't pass them? Mm-mm. Poked a hole in your taint and dug it out with your fingers. No! Yep. Oh, yeah, I've got a very graphic account of that, but I'm that not getting into enough. that one. No. <laughs> um, but Liston was incredibly fast, and that's why he, he got this reputation among people. His reputation was kind of double-sided. Uh, he was known to be sort of a dick, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, very short with people, not an especially good teacher, even though he apparently taught throughout almost his whole life. <laughs> But he said he was terrible oh, yeah, at it. he was a professor, was he not? Yeah. Okay. But he was bad at it? Um, I, yeah, apparently so. And I, I never really got a feel for how bad he was at it until I started reading some of his obituaries that people were writing, some of his, like, like you know, in memoriam. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're saying all these great things about him, you know, blah, blah, blah. And But they always have to include a lot of people didn't like him because of his shortness, you know, like... <laughs> Like his Even, bedside manner, uh, or just everything. Apparently, he's like he screamed at me for being an idiot. Like, basically. well, he's, he's Doctor House. He's he, the first Doctor House. He, he's, uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. He like is. A hot, he does. He's like a hot doctor with very unorthodox methods. <laughs> yeah, and he's yeah. a dick, but you go to him because he's real good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you suck it up. I had not. I hadn't yeah. really put the house. But yeah, that's, uh, you know, nice, I'm reading nice. it and I am kind of, I was kind of seeing house in my mind. You know, like a giant tall right. version of house. <laughs> and if you don't do it his way, then you're wrong. Right. Yeah. And actually, very often he was right. So when he said, you know, my way's the right way and your way's the wrong way, he didn't, he didn't pull any fucking punches about it. He told you and then called you a fucking idiot for doing it the wrong way wow and he also he (laughs) when he was first getting started he was um he was an assistant so he wasn't really allowed to do a lot of operations there in the hospital um so he was doing them kind of on the side uh, going to people's houses and things you can do that yeah this wasn't that unusual at the time wow okay but he's doing things his own way and he's having in a lot of cases better results than they're having in the hospital. And that starts rubbing the hospital heads the wrong way. Of course. And so they tell Liston he has to stop doing this shit. Liston says, fuck you guys. (laughs) I'm helping people. And he, to all of his bosses, he said, and and his bosses are surgeons. So these these people are all doing the same kind of shit. He, He said about them, Many poor creatures have been sacrificed in consequence of the ignorance, carelessness, and self-sufficiency even of scientific professors who have either despised or neglected the study of surgical anatomy. (laughs) The consideration of the casualties which may arise during the various operations and the due education of their fingers. He's upset because... He doesn't feel that the heads of the hospital have have studied anatomy mm-hmm. as much as he has, and this this shit about the fingers. He's real goddamn cocky about his hands, <laughs> <laughs> and he is he is 
everybody makes a big deal about this man's hands. And he he gets this big head about his hands, I feel. Like and and he writes at one point he writes this thing that he's arguing that people should stop using tourniquets when they amputate. And I feel like he knows good and well that most people can't do the shit that he's fucking describing here. So he says that people need to stop using tourniquets. So the idea is most people, when they when they are going to saw off your leg, they put a tourniquet mm-hmm. up above where they're going to saw so you don't bleed to death. Mm-hmm. Liston wrote that the tourniquet, in my opinion, is of no use and in many cases worse than useless. I have repeatedly compressed both the femoral and humeral arteries with the fingers of one hand whilst with the other I removed the limb. Wow. And with the loss of much less blood than if I had followed the ordinary mode. So he's just boasting here that his oh, hands yeah. are so powerful. Like. He's like, I can squeeze that artery with my hand. Oh yeah. Like he he's talking about clamping off two arteries with one hand while he doing the other like saws the leg off with the other one and apparently he, he could actually do this his Ugh. his there's like <laughs> so many descriptions of people because this was the time when they would have operations in uh the theaters mm-hmm. you know the yeah i feel like there's a name for that that i'm not remembering it's like some kind of auditorium i i was watching that show the nick recently i have started that watching show? that recently i started watching that recently i only watched the first episode but I mean, it's like it takes place in 1900, so around the same time. Yeah, and they were in an like auditorium. It was for a live audience, and if you, you know, the patient dies on the table, it's like everyone just saw some dude die. You got to explain, like, well, I fucked this one up, but there was a lot of blood. There was a, it was gnarly. There was a lot of blood. There's a lot about that show. I think a lot of that show's based on Liston. Because Liston eventually got interested in uh, rhinoplasty of the nose. So Liston is into it with his bosses at the hospital. Um, He's performing these surgeries anyway. They're butting heads, they're butting heads. But he, he develops a reputation in the community that's good enough that they eventually have to hire him on as an actual surgeon. And so now Liston... Cocky as he fucking is, has his hospital. He's an official surgeon now. He's the man. He can do whatever he wants to. Yeah. And, you know, this stuff with him, with how fast he was with this, he could actually remove a leg in under 30 seconds. Wow. He could amputate your leg in under 30 seconds and do it the right way. And the right way was the flap technique. At this point, Point in time. I caught it. I usually don't catch it myself. That was honk your horn, everybody. (laughs) I think, I think uh, of all the times that we've done this, uh, the, the, the honk your horn, I have only caught myself saying the phrase like twice and I'm the one that fucking says it. (laughs) (laughs) I just know it's coming. And then when I get there, I don't, I don't even think about it. Um, but people would do almost anything to avoid having this operation. In fact, there was uh, one kid, he was 19, he had necrosis of the femur on his leg mm-hmm. for at least three years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was rotting. It, yeah, his leg was literally rotting. But if you go to get it amputated, 
your chances of surviving that are not 50 50 yeah they're kind of you know 50 50 <laughs> maybe a little bit better than that uh but with someone like him and they described this kid's leg uh he had necrosis of the femur for some years attended with great enlargement of the thigh and numerous openings through which matters of different kinds poured out this kid has a giant fucking leg with holes in it and shit's just seeping out of it. That's how bad your shit has to get before you go in and get an operation. And they're, you know, and this is 18 whatever. They're probably packing this thing at home with full of herbs and weird salves and stuff. And they don't know what to do. Yeah, exactly. And they try everything before they're going to amputate. Yeah, that's the 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 salves and the the you know compresses of herbs and things. Uh, Liston did not care for any of that. He liked a very clean dressing. Pour water over it, maybe change the bandages daily. Don't make this fucking stupid mud concoction and cake it all over the wound and make it fester, which is what everybody else was doing at this time. There was the there was this argument over which amputation method was the best the circular technique or the flap technique the circular technique was a lot simpler kind of on the surface so i'm, I'm going to talk about a uh, leg amputation at the thigh so if you were going to amputate someone's leg at the thigh with a circle technique you literally carve a circle mm-hmm. all the way around the leg you're putting the knife into the bone going all the way around then you have to peel some of that skin back. Um, and so they're taking, so they're sliding both sides of the leg. So they're sliding the bottom part down, top part up. Kind of like, what would you describe that as? Like you're pulling the meat off the bone. Yeah, like you're, yeah, pulling the meat off the bone. You're pulling the meat off the bone. Sliding it down the bone. And then you got to crack the bone. Yeah, and then you got to saw the bone. And then you release the top part and okay. it kind of just heals over. The problem with that circular technique is there's not a lot of skin left around where the bone was cut. And sometimes people would actually end up with the bone kind of uh, eventually going through the skin because oh. the, the, the layer of skin was very thin. So some it wasn't yeah. unusual for people to have kind of... Sort of rotten bones sticking out of the bottom of their leg. Uh, the flap technique, which is what Liston always used and what he was a huge proponent of, was instead of making just a big circle, you made kind of a Pac-Man mouth. Okay. I'm trying to describe this for people who just listen. Like a duck bill. You made one curved incision on the top of the leg, which connected with another curved incision on the bottom. Okay. It's, does that make sense to you? Yes, yes. So I'm thinking of like the front of the thigh. You carve like a little flap, like a yeah. like an upside down or like a smiley. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, like yeah. you carve a smiley face, like a, a half circle. Yeah. Something like that. And you do that on both sides and they connect and you pull both of those flaps back. The patient is awake at this point. Mm-hmm. While they're getting their skin peeled back. Mm-hmm. So right now, at the point where we're peeling the skin back, if this were being done by Robert Liston, we would be about 15 seconds into the operation at this point. He would have both of those incisions made all the way down to the bone because he used a big knife. Other surgeons used little scalpels. He said that that was fucking cruel to use a little scalpel for this kind of operation. You want to get it done quick. Yes. So... 
how many seconds did I say? 15? Yeah, we were 15. 15 about 15 seconds in. He's got both of these flaps made. Someone is pulling, his assistant is pulling these flaps back. And so there's exposed bone. He saws through the bone. The leg drops into a bucket of sawdust. And only 30 seconds has gone by. It took me a buck longer to describe it than it actually took him to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, when he's pulling the flaps back, there's still meat on the flaps, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's not just the skin. He's, he's, it's the meat, it's the skin and the flesh that he's pulling back. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. The meat, everything down to the bone is being really kind of ripped back because you got to rip that off. Yeah. But yeah, he's, both of those flaps are ripped back to expose the bone. He cuts through that. That part of the operation, he could usually get done in under 30 seconds, which is kind of a misnomer because people say he could perform amputations in under 30 seconds, but that's just the first part. That's, that's getting the leg off. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, after that, you've got to tie up all these arteries and things. And the thing about the flap technique, you know, I was talking about before, a lot of times there wouldn't be enough skin to cover the bone. With a flap technique, that's not a problem. Yeah. Because you just pull those flaps over the bone put a couple of sutures in there and it's going to heal up and you're going to have a nice little rounded stump i have a picture of it oh yeah that's what i imagined yeah so did he um did he come up with this technique or was he just like i think this is the better of the two that everybody uses uh he believed it was the better of the two i don't think he actually came up with it uh, but but his speed was such that when you when you hear people describing it you have to imagine that it's it's like a like when you see people play guitar solos, just like incredibly fast, it's a muscle memory thing for him. But also, he was incredibly clever too. So this speed is one part of what made him a really good surgeon. But the other thing is he was a very intelligent man and he was very good at thinking on his feet, which is something, you know, even today in the operating room, shit happens and people mm-hmm. don't know what to do. You know, they've never seen it before. And even more so back then. And you've got someone screaming fucking bloody murder the whole time it happens. Well, half of the time. It, at some point, they typically go into shock and just start mumbling. Mm-hmm. But in the beginning, pass yeah, out. screaming at the top of their lungs. Uh, but, but yeah, he was super clever. There was one surgery where uh, they had cut through a bone, and the bone apparently had started bleeding. Oh, no. Yeah, and they couldn't stop it. And Liston took one of his knives and nicked a piece off of the operating table and stuck it in the bone and knocked it in there and the bleeding stopped. Wow. Quick thinking. This sounds horrific. There is no anesthesia. I can't get over that. I cannot get over that part that until, I mean, relatively recently, people were just lucid. Yeah, it, it's... I wish I could think of another. I need to get the fucking thesaurus. I'm looking for another word for unimaginable. (laughs) (laughs) So I can stop saying it's unimaginably horrible. In this time frame, like, was surgery considered the solution to a lot of things that maybe didn't need surgery? Um, There were several unscrupulous surgeons of the time who were always looking for a reason to operate. And Liston uh, called a lot of them out. He he was not about that. Um, He he believed that if you were going to cut into somebody, it needed to be the last resort. So the kid that came in with the... uh, (laughs) <laughs> the leg with holes in it oh, yeah, squirting yeah, different kinds of fluid I, I'm just thinking of like water toys or something just like walking in like, <laughs> yeah get rid of that thing it's a lot yeah, that, <laughs> that's about where Liston thought yeah. you needed to be before yeah. <laughs> before you went to the doctor we can't go you know back what? from this but that's <laughs> if I'm living in those days that's the kind of surgeon I want I don't want someone who's like yeah sure for fun we'll just go in there and see what we can pull out 
I, I don't want that kind of surgeon now. So definitely. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it'll be fine. Like. Okay, so we we said a lot of like really good things about Liston now, and you know I mentioned I was going to drag his name through the mud a little bit before we before we get out of here. But um, good, yeah, fuck well, this not guy. <laughs> not, not as yeah, he performs low cost operations for the poor, and he does it better than the hospital. Fuck Robert Liston. Uh, but he um. There was this child in London when when Liston was around there uh, that had hydrocephalus, which is the giant head baby thing. Uh, most people don't survive that very long. Some people can live 10 years, maybe. Is this like you're born with it or it happens when you're a baby? You're born with it and it progressively gets worse and worse. And people's heads really, if you've never seen a picture of a hydrocephalic baby... You either should or shouldn't look one up, depending I, on, I you know, the first your mood, time I, I ever heard about one, people called them water babies. Waterhead. Water, okay, waterhead. Yeah, I, I oh, think that's wow. the same thing. But there was there was a kid with hydrocephalus there, and he didn't live very long. He died when he was still very young. Uh, but Liston was really, really interested in this kid. And this is the time, this is around the time of the Resurrectionists. Do you know about the Resurrectionists? Tell us, Kevin, tell us. Around this time, surgeons really wanted to be able to work on cadavers. But the problem was that the oh. only ones that they had oh. access to yes. Okay, yes. were criminals yes. <laughs> uh, who had faced the death penalty. Those were the only bodies that surgeons could work on. So what ends up happening is uh, some people start going around grave robbing and selling them to the mm-hmm. different hospitals. Eventually, there's a, a famous couple who decided to take a shortcut and killed about 16 yeah. people in the total. But anyway, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> So Liston has this huge interest in this baby with hydrocephalus. The family does not want to give the child to him. They want the child to have a proper burial. The child's body goes missing. Dun, dun, dun. Shortly thereafter, Liston publishes a book <laughs> with a very suspicious wood etching in it that is of the skeleton of a child with hydrocephalus. Hmm. Not suspicious at all. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I mean, it's circumstantial, but... uh, So, are we saying that they think that Liston paid some people to maybe get this... uh, To rob this grave of a child? it, It is suspected. Okay. Because clearly this wood etching that he has of this child with hydrocephalus is not based on, you know, somebody's recounting. It is... And would Very they, detailed. Would they have not wanted to give the body to science because then the baby would not go to heaven? Would that have been the like reasoning for? I don't know. Maybe they just didn't want their baby all chopped up. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, some people, uh, you know, have different uh, opinions about, obviously, and still today, like what to mm-hmm. do with the body after death. And I would imagine, I would imagine nobody would want their, their loved one's grave robbed. Did he put it back? Do we think he put it back? No, I don't think that the uh, I don't think that the child's remains were ever found. Oh, so it was confirmed they were missing. Oh yeah, yeah, the remains absolutely were missing. And then he published this thing, so it wasn't like. And then he publishes this book oh, that yeah. has a very detailed picture of a skeleton, a very unique skeleton. And he had been previously very interested in this child. Yes, I believe he even asked the parents if he could have, like, the specimen after the child died, you know. Right. 
They said they said no, dude. Hey, this is pretty major, though. It says that the family even I guess maybe the family had some money because it says that they actually they engaged trustworthy watchers for the grave to try to keep people from taking the body. And it didn't work. It still came up missing. Yeah, they had people watch. Yeah, because the child with hydrocephalus, that's a big story back then. I mean, people were going to freak shows and shit back then. Everybody was just fucking awful in those days. Right. But uh, yeah, it was a big deal to have this baby with this enormous, strange head. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of a locally famous thing. So when he died, uh, they knew somebody was going to try to dig that up. So Mm -hmm. they posted people out there to try to keep watch. And then one night, uh, a couple of guys come by in a carriage. They tell the cemetery caretaker that they're waiting on a package. Mm-hmm. Um, and they leave, and the package arrives. The two guys come back and leave. The next morning, the body's gone. Wow. Yep. So I ain't saying it's Robert Liston, but it's Robert Liston. Well, I mean, yeah. they're saying that it was probably Robert Liston, too. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we can put the pieces together. Yeah. So that brings us up to the end of the Age of Agony, which is when anesthesia finally makes its way into the medical field. Uh, The guy who um, discovered this was actually very similarly named Dr. Lister. Okay. Hmm. Lister was a much slower surgeon than... than, uh, Who are the fuck we're talking about with this goddamn... Liston. (laughs) Um, it it would take him usually a couple of minutes before the leg fell into the sawdust loser there's got to be a better way (laughs) (laughs) that's what he said Easter (laughs) Easter is the better way (laughs) that's what happened he was like fuck this Liston guy and his speed I'm gonna he wants to take his sweet ass time song (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah which if if the the patient is asleep, is a good idea. Mm-hmm. Great yeah. idea. Yeah. yeah, if they're awake <laughs> and screaming and trying to kick you off of them, you got to get your shit done quick. Yep. <laughs> so this story comes out that uh, Lister has performed a surgery uh, with the use of ether. The patient felt no pain and slept through the whole thing. Liston is suspicious of this. And it's said, like, Liston's actual claim to fame, what his actual claim to fame should be, the true thing, is that he was the first person in England to use anesthesia in an operation. That's probably true, but it might not be. <laughs> so there was a, actually a dentist uh, who was a friend of Liston's who claimed that he performed a tooth extraction <laughs> with the uh, uh, with the ether. ether. And then he went and told Liston. He yeah. was like... This shit actually works. And then Liston says, uh, this is just some, this is another bullshit. It's like that guy that said he could mesmerize people and they wouldn't. It's just horse shit. It's fucking snake oil. This shit's everywhere. And the dentist leaves. Liston had actually read something in a paper that morning about it. And as soon as this guy leaves, Liston's like, nah, we we might try this when we um, eventually. As soon as that guy leaves, Liston darts later. out the fucking door, goes to the pharmacy, gets some ether, <laughs> runs up to the hospital, finds a guy that needs a leg cut off. Okay, but to, to be fair, a tooth extraction versus getting your leg cut off, like... Yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, but it's always, it's always, it's always put as though you know this is the first time anybody's ever seen anybody in England go under like this, and so, but yeah, it somebody might have got a 
tooth pulled with either before Liston actually did a serious operation. With so it. do we even get to know the name of the patients that had this experience or is it just like the doctors that conducted the operation? If you care to know, it's in one of okay. these. Okay. I just was like, you know, all these doctors are like, I did it first. And it's like, yeah, I'm the person you tested the shit on. Like, <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> right. I'd even, like a little credit, please. Even when the patients died, the doctors <laughs> tended to still brag about it. Because there's a lot of accounts in, in these papers of doctors being like, the surgery was a complete success. The patient died <laughs> three or four days later. It was really about the friends we made along the way. <laughs> yeah. His, his death didn't have anything to do with the operation it was something they just else. weren't strong enough yeah act of god yeah <laughs> the, god. the operation was perfect the blame really should be on the the, the patient who died yeah. <laughs> yeah. what a weenie <laughs> so he goes he goes to the hospital with his ether he's going to amputate this guy's leg before he comes into the room they're going to try the ether out because nobody's you know really none of these people have seen this this is still a lot of people are really doubtful that mm -hmm. this is going to be a real fucking thing so uh they decide they're going to try the the ether out on one of the assistants who is in the room one of the assistants who is in the room to hold down the fucking patient big strong guy <laughs> okay i i don't know if you've ever heard hunter s thompson talk about doing ether. <laughs> no <laughs> Well, Hunter S. Thompson calls ether a hell of a drug. That's fucking saying something. So, you know, it, it, there's apparently there's uh, ether doesn't put you directly to sleep. It makes you real fucking excited and then you fall asleep. So they give it to this big guy um, and they put the thing on his face and everything's okay for a second. And then he just fucking flips out oh. and knocks the, 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 the cloth off of his face that they have the ether and he takes off running towards the <laughs> towards the crowd of people who are there and then he f just collapses on the fucking floor and so they're like okay it works so <laughs> now we have to do the surgery right here yeah now we gotta do the surgery yeah so they bring uh so liston comes in they bring the guy who's gonna do the surgery uh liston's still yeah, doubtful about this but they apply uh the cloth to the man's face they pour the ether on it he inhales the ether uh, whatever that might not be exactly how that goes and where however they apply the ether mm -hmm. the man acts goofy for a second and then he passes out liston does this operation and in fact a, a lot of people say that that liston and in fact even in that 1926 article it says that liston was known for saying time me gentlemen before he performed an operation it's true that students did time him because he was so fucking fast at this that when when somebody came to watch him do an amputation they would pull their fucking pocket watch watches out and you know see how long it took and then they would tell them afterwards you know and then they would argue about it someone <laughs> would say it's 30 seconds and then somebody said fuck you it was 27 seconds listen pulled that motherfucker off in 27 seconds <laughs> Anyway, what the fuck was I talking about? The ether. Okay, yeah. So patient. the guy, the guy comes in with the ether. They perform the operation. The leg falls off in the sawdust. They tie off all the arteries. Pull the flaps from the flap method. Honk honk together. <laughs> um, they pull the band, the 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 gauze or the the cloth off of the guy's face, and he wakes up. And supposedly, uh, the guy wakes up and starts screaming, "I've changed my mind. You're not going to take my leg off. Let me the fuck out of here." At which point, Robert Liston triumphantly grabs the man's leg from the sawdust <gasps> and holds it up and shows the man and says, it's already done. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> and, that is, and that is the crazy thing about going under. And I just know this from getting my, my wisdom teeth taken out. 
But it really is like no time has passed at all. Mm-hmm. It's bizarre. Yeah, they tell you to count backwards. And, that's and it. then it's like... The next thing you know, you're like, what? And I mean, I'm assuming that within this situation, was he still trying to go really fast? Was he like, oh... Oh, he was still going fast. So, I, I mean, because that's the way he did things. Yeah. It has to start occurring to Liston when he's done with this. Once he's seen this, mm-hmm. he's just performed the first operation in England that has made him obsolete. His okay. speed's not important anymore. Right. He is extremely happy about this. I mean, like, he uses this for the rest of his life, which is actually very short. Really? Um, Liston only lived about one year after the operation that he performed with the ether. Wow. Yeah, so it's, it's really kind of interesting. It, it, you know, it reminds me of those stories of when, you know, they say elderly married couples who love each other a lot, they die, and then the other one, because. you know, isn't far behind. His, you know, his, his expertise and his usefulness, he personally <laughs> heralded in mm-hmm. the end of, you know, the age of agony. So how old was he, do we know? Uh, he died in... 1847, um, I think he was about like 56. Wow. Uh, he died of an aneurysm. Okay. Um, it burst and uh, he vomited, I believe it was 10, 15 ounces of blood, oh. something like that, before he fell over and died. At his funeral, uh, a lot of people reported at his funeral that thousands of people came out uh, and that most of them were actually uh, former patients of his, people whose lives he had wow. saved. You know, Thousands and, of people. But here we are on Where is the Line, restoring this man's good name, except for the grave robbing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to episode 37 of Where is the Line? If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to stop by iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as they like you to call it, and leave us a review not unlike these resplendent persons. Your Mom, 1930, writes, Best of the best morbid. Been listening since the Hollywood crime scene suggestion. What did I fucking tell you? Yay. <laughs> I love it. I'm not complaining. I know it sounds like I'm complaining, but everything I say sounds like a complaint. So <laughs> I'm not. I love it. Love it. Every time I see came here from Hollywood crime scene, I'm like, fuck yeah. Thank you, Rachel. <laughs> uh, continuing on with the review. Uh, I've loved every episode and appreciate the wonderful stories and humorous commentary. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much, your mom, 1930. Our next review comes from Ashley Jens. She writes, five stars, the opposite of mediocre. This podcast is an absolute treat to listen to. It goes above and beyond in terms of uniqueness and material research and editing. I am always excited when I come across a story I've never heard of. And Kevin has shocked me more than once with the grimy details. The hosts are charming and funny, and they have me laughing just as often as I'm dropping my jaw at the unsettling things they talk about. It's obvious how much hard work goes into creating this thing and how much they appreciate their listeners. I like that one. I do. That's a very good one. Thank you so much, Ashley Gents. It is very well written. (laughs) Uh, We're going to skip the voicemails this time, but... 
Uh, if you would like to call and leave us a voicemail, you will be met by a very special message from our very own Where Is The Line intro man, the guy that tells you the fuck off at the beginning of every episode. That's not you? That's not me. Oh. A lot of people ask if that's me. No. Uh, no. I, I actually hired a voice actor before I ever made an episode of this show to do the <laughs> intro. <laughs> He he worked very reasonably. He's got a great voice. I really I really do like the disclaimer at the beginning of your show because I mean it's a great disclaimer. Fuck off. Because look, you should know what you're getting yourself into. This is like when people leave me a, a review, which I don't read my reviews anymore, but in the past when I when we did, when people would say, I don't like that they're swearing. Uh, <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. I, I don't like that the, there's what, well, then this is not the show for you. <laughs> or fuck yeah. off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I mean, well, uh, here, here's a tip <laughs> that you certainly need from our podcast. <laughs> Do not berate Gene Simmons on your show. <laughs> there will be consequences. Oh. The Kiss Army oh. will retaliate. All two of them. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I said some shit about Gene Simmons because I fucking hate Gene Simmons. But then it was like right after that, we had never had a bad review and then we got two in a row. Mm-hmm. And that's she actually referenced when she said it's the opposite of mediocre or whatever. I'm pretty sure that's a reference to, to the... To the review. To one of the, oh, one of the, reviews. One of the reviews. Mediocre. People get very angry. You know what? I, you, know, you, know, you know what I do when I don't like a podcast? I just turn it off. Yeah. Exactly. And I just turn well, it I'm off. Well, I'm thinking like if the curse or the, you know, foul language or whatever, like if that's really upsetting to you, then how are you listening to the content? Right. I'm right. actually talking about, you know? <laughs> not I mean, the limbs being chopped off and yeah, describing not great unsettling. detail. <laughs> you just said the word fuck and I just can't. I gotta get my smelling salts out. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? <laughs> if you'd like to leave us a voicemail of your own, you can get in touch with us at 386-227-7848. What does it spell? Do you know what it spells, Rachel? Butts? No! I don't know. What does it spell, what does it spell Robin? Dumbass tit. Dumbass tit. <gasps> spell out dumbass tit on your telephone dial to hear a special message <laughs> made just for you by the Where is the Line intro man. Yeah, that, that, that telephone number... Uh, that wasn't necessarily purposeful. I, I was determined to have a phone number that spelled something out, but I didn't want to pay for it. So I got on in, in Google Hangouts. They let you get like a free phone number yeah. for this kind of shit, but they don't let give you any way to search for it by spellings. And so uh, I went to this website and spent like three hours trying to find an available <laughs> fucking phone really number hard to find that spelled tit. something. Yeah. yeah. And so... <laughs> Dumbass tit it is. Absolutely. Love it. I love it. (laughs) Well, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you so much, Rachel. I I owe you such a debt of gratitude for, you know. (laughs) I mean, you know, like somebody that makes a podcast, you want people to listen to it. Of course. Nobody listened until you said something about it. And so thank you very much. Well, thank you for having me. I, you know, like I said, I love this show. It's been entertaining me for for a long time and I'm so like I'm I was nervous coming on here because I didn't want to screw up your show because I love the show so much <laughs> it's great to t- we do that you know <laughs> and now you've learned that uh there's a lot of magic and editing when it comes to the show because we've been sitting here for uh, over two hours <laughs> that's okay I've had this a show's time. not gonna be two hours yeah long. I've enjoyed yeah. it I'm glad that I got to spend some time and in the in the in the after times well, we don't know when that will be, but in the aftertimes when we're all 
going out in public again. I would, I mean, it would be great to get, get to go to Alabama and can and, and connect face to face in person. Absolutely. That's going to do it. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you again soon. Bye, y'all. Bye. Kids, when you go to bed, stay away from your closets and don't look under your